0: You're listening to the Google Ads podcast, brought to you by Solutions8, the Google Ads agency. Campaign overlap is something that I think that will need to get much better. Ad if Performance Max becomes more of a permanent foothold in Google. Some ways that they overlap omnichannel is regardless of what your performance max is targeting running how it's set up it does not matter you cannot stop this if you wanted to we've seen it before we've actually seen it kill our performance max campaigns with no changes to taking place in our accounts let's talk about campaign overlap not all of our clients have but not even Northbeam is fully accurate Campaign overlap is something that I think that we'll need to get much better at performance max becomes more of a permanent foothold in Google. I think it's good performance max works well. You know, it's allowing me in this campaign to spend you know, 275 grand a month at a 1.73 return where I need to be over 1.49. It works, works well. Campaign overlap is insane. And I really want to discuss how Pmax works at a higher level because that needs to become our basic performance max overlap, how it overlaps what's being represented some common understandings of things have changed. And some new developments have come alive that I think it's worthy of having all of us get a very good understanding as to how the campaigns overlap and why and all the good stuff. Here's something that we're all going to need to get very familiar about is the asset groups. And then also dynamic remarketing inside of performance max and how it works within Performance google ads campaigns and how it works omni channel so traffic from other sources performance max is going to overlap more so than we know initially some ways that they overlap omni channel is regardless of what your performance max is targeting running how it's set up it does not matter you cannot stop this if you wanted to it will dynamically remarket All of the users that come to the site, regardless of source. So, if you have a Performance Max campaign set up for 100% cold traffic, and you have a campaign that is not using TCPA or TROA, so it's learning its own audiences, and you have URL expansion off, doesn't matter. If a massive amount of influx from Facebook comes in, your Performance Max that's brand excluded, URL expansion off, cold traffic only targeting will remarket that Facebook traffic. We've seen it before. We've actually seen it kill our Performance Max campaigns when no changes have taken place in our accounts. I forget exactly the client. I know who it is, I think Ankar, you're with me on it, but it came out in a risk meeting a few weeks ago. It was kind of an interesting point because it was something that we all kind of found out together, but I wanna make sure that it's kind of part of our foundational understanding of Performance Max. So as Google ads experts live and die inside of Google ads. And sometimes we don't think about outside influences to our campaigns. If you have a performance max campaign on and it's running, it's been running for let's say six months, getting a 300% ROAS and everything is hunky-dory and someone launches a Facebook campaign to a bunch of uninterested users and they drive themselves to the site and they look at some products and they leave, your performance max campaign is going to reduce its efficiency. It's not going to hit 300% ROAS. It's gonna spend the budget, but you're gonna see the same budget. Your click-through is probably gonna be fairly similar. Your impressions will be a little bit higher. Your views on YouTube may change by one or 2,000, but it might just start to tank performance. And it's nothing that we did, but we have to understand the ebbs and flows the rises and falls of Google ads and how it optimizes in other campaign types. So I'm gonna give you all a quick example, and I'll share with you how your campaigns can immediately benefit or immediately retract, I guess, in performance. So this is a company we've been marketing for about seven months. Performance Max works really well. I have 18 Performance Max campaigns running at once. And what we'll notice is that anytime we'll see Facebook ad increasing, and this is clicks. This is not click in views. Anytime we see, let's say, Facebook increase, we see Google increase. Anytime you see Facebook decrease, Google decreases. And I haven't made any changes inside of Google. What is going on is that, the quality of the user coming from those outside sources directly affects how your campaign is going to convert google is a self-governing self-targeting system and it has hierarchy levels and one of those hierarchy levels that it likes to attract first that it likes to market to first is the warmest audience which is who the people currently on the site that's why if you add in a whole bunch of ad spend you don't necessarily get a whole bunch of new clicks and conversions from cold traffic. You simply start to potentially remarket them harder so you don't really necessarily see that that conversion coming back you hit a point of diminishing returns quickly especially if you're not in control of your audience and ken you're saying if you're using conversion-based bidding when i'm talking about performance max since we're kind of stuck with maximize conversions value maximize conversions that's kind of what i'm thinking of something different that you were thinking of i was just saying just in general terms like it can happen to any campaign but yeah Yeah, like things like inbound search, not too much because it's not going to remarket that kind of cold traffic on the site. So like other channels or other campaigns will be less susceptible to it for sure, though. You will have like display if you're using optimized targeting as a list. It's going to include those people in there for sure. And Google will just use this as an ecosystem just in in and of itself. Anytime you're using smart bidding that has its own kind of directional governance, even if it's just optimized targeting turned on, it's going to go where it wants. Which could be those new traffic to the site. Where they come from, doesn't matter. It's just new traffic to the site. So knowing this, this is something we have to remember foundationally. Sometimes ask this on a Wednesday call and it's like, hey, our performance max dip. we don't know why. And I'm like, well, what do they do on Facebook? We're like, I don't know. That's something that we'll need to investigate first before looking at Google Ads. If things just started to decay out of nowhere, and what I mean out of nowhere, do the work. Ecom property is still working, conversion tracking is still working, product that is doing amazing didn't go out of stock whatever we didn't launch a new youtube campaign at five grand per day and also just flood our PMAX campaign with a whole bunch of remarketing traffic that's not yet ready to convert like unless you did something that you know could have an effect before we look into saying well i'm not sure why we need to get with the client and we need to say what has been changed inside of your google ads account there's also not even a paid channel source this also can be heavily heavily affected i'll share with you an amazing like dang that I wish we would have captured It wasn't due to us and this is a client that I was talking about on this morning's call where I said I'm running a feed only I'm running a feed only and a YouTube at the same time this is what I'm doing it's a feed only and YouTube outbound and I'm scaling this up and it's working pretty really pretty well this here I saw my feed only campaign and my YouTube campaign we have all of a sudden like a good spike of like really good traffic and then it died off and then it started to go, go against the spike that I saw here went from like Two, then four, and then two, and then five, and then crash hard at one, two, three, four, five, and it started earning its way back. What actually happened here, I pinpointed it, it was down to a client, this client here, sending out a massive tens of thousands of emails to their own subscriber base. People clicked on those emails, they went to the website, they didn't buy, they left. We remarketed to them, they came back and purchased. What was a traffic source? their own customers on email. Crazy. That's how touchy PMAX can be, especially when remarketing built in, and that is built into every single PMAX campaign. So diagnosing this, we have to think about within and outside of Google ads, what is happening on all traffic, referral, organic, direct, social, influencer, email, all of that is going to affect our campaigns. And if we're not understanding this, and if we're not investigating this, We'll be chasing our own tail from something that we never catalyzed in the first place. Does that makes sense? Any questions there so far? Regina, what's up? Can you clarify that drop in conversions is because people were sent to the site from an email, and why did the conversions drop? Nope, this day right here on October 1st, where I was like, oh, this is, this is going good, and then why did it drop, and then why is it slowly come back up? The first was their email. Okay. On that day was the day that the email was sent out? yeah so it's like yeah. here's my traffic my traffic my traffic a bunch of email traffic and then we convert a bunch it says i'm going to remark all this email traffic they didn't buy okay. Oh, okay well we went off that email traffic go back to my traffic i see it's an interpretation it's my best educated guess but that's when i look inside of their their campaign i'm like or their back end of their account i'm like you had a 66 percent increase in value on one day and 10,000 users come to the site on one day and forty-four percent increase in conversion value in one day, and like sixteen grand when we usually make fifty in one day. Like it was an anomaly. But then you see that same anomaly in Google Ads. Why? Because I'm remarketing with a feed only dynamically. Everybody that clicked on the ad went to the site and did not buy. Even if they did buy, it's still remarketing them because I have no exclusions. You can't exclude Pmax. So that's the thing too. Is if you have a massive amount of traffic that purchase, we may see a dip in our conversions because it's like well, these people are on the site. Well, they do they buy or do they not buy? I don't care. These people are on our site. That's what Google. So outside influencing is really susceptible to our campaigns. So that's a good understanding. Now it's also successful within our campaigns. That's another danger. So when I'm running things like this campaign here, you can see the overlap and how crazy it is just from a search category where it's like rice water shampoo. This was found in all four of my, my asset groups internally. Why? Google's matching so broad that If anybody looks similar to anybody, it's like close enough. So here's what I mean by that, is when we're talking about people that may have been Googling a shampoo bar, and then you have a person that may Google rice water shampoo, those are two different campaigns. Those are two different campaigns in my account, but it will share the same user which means that person from day one could have been targeted by either campaign, even though it's a different product. And a click on one campaign and a click on a different campaign that resulted in a conversion is going to be split between our campaigns, meaning my ROAS and my CPA, my ROAS is half and my CPA is double. So when running multiple campaigns, we all have to be very, very cognizant of the facts that if we're using data-driven, a conversion that comes in may look terrible on a day-by-day basis. Here's what I mean by this. If we have conversions that are split, watch this. Was that at my time? Okay, check this out. This is an extreme case, but it's perfect because it makes my point. I spent $39 that day. I got a 3,000 cost per acquisition. I explain how? Conversion, look. Attribution, no? the point, we only attributed 0.01 of a conversion, so that's ridiculous. Exactly. it should just be zero and then it would be a zero cpa <sighs> what happens if your cpa your tcpa is set to a hundred dollars today did you did you miss your goal oh yeah you way missed the goal what is it going to do to spend the next day probably dip here's a less extreme example i spent 125 dollars. we know that 2.34 means three we all know that to be true that third one was just split we absolutely know that anything that's over a 0.00 is a conversion. So you spend $125, right? You divide that by three. What's my CPA? 41.66. What's my CPA to Google? 53. So I spent $125. Actually got three conversions, but I have a $53 cost per conversion. In reality, it's 41 because the other campaign we have to take that out from. When you split a conversion, you double or triple or whatever it is your CPA. Same is true with conversion value. If I make 1.1 sale, what's my conversion value? 43 cents. Because I got 0.01 of a conversion and I actually probably got you know four dollars and something in a purchase but I got 43 cents so what's my target return on ad spend that's pretty bad ad spend you spent 39 bucks to make 43 cents is that true no but what we're talking about here is this is the overlap between the two if I take a look at something and said, man, I'm getting $29 CPA here. This is looking good. Oh, this one's getting a 59. That's bad. Pause this one. And then this thing tanks. Why? Well, half my conversions over here are also half my conversions here. All I did was just shut off half my count. So knowing that these are going to be in line with each other when they're splitting conversions, this is not real. And that's not real. Why? Because at 0.38, 0.91, 0.11, 0.47, 0.05, 0.46. Well, at the end of the day, when you go down to something, this is going to equal out to a whole minus one or two because they came in through maybe let's say a few few days ago. But this is splitting two things. It's splitting the time and it's splitting the campaigns. A click on day one that converts on day two will have 0.5 on day two and 0.5 on day one. So both those days I overshot my CPA by double and I cut my conversion value in half those two days. This is also why TCP and TROAS are a little bit more dangerous when running multiple PMAX campaigns because your TROAS and TCPA is measured against halves and thirds and quarters, not holes. So if you wanna say, hey, I need 300% ROAS, awesome. Set your targets to 150, why? Half of those are splits. Very odd, right? So when I look here, when I look at my ROAS, so it's like one five, one three, one four, one two, two thirteen, one thirteen, one three. It's my higher spends are lower. They all at the bottom equal 1.72. That's cool. I'm not going to shut off my 107 because I have another half of that campaign probably at a two fourteen. And then that's equally this. So just know that when you're measuring individual PMAX campaigns, that's why when it's like, hey, should we shut off this? We shut off that one, unless it's like there's no conversion paths. The first and last click attribution show the same there's no way that these two are the same products person that's buying a dog bed is not going to buy a toilet okay these have nothing to do with each other but the more similar that these products overlap which this one does amazingly your eye masks pillowcase your hair clips your hair shampoo your scrunchies your headbands these are all products that are just from like the top eight inches of your body like everything overlaps here by the person that wants a scrunchie is going to buy a hair tie I can't really care or tell the difference, but I'm measuring it MER and overall account And then you're splitting it by day, clicks on day one and clicks on day two. And then you're splitting it by clicks on day one and campaign one and clicks on day two by campaign two. Now you have 25, 25, 25, 25. All four campaigns now are missing the CPA targets by three quarters, and have all that had their conversion values cut by one quarter. That's bad when you're looking at what do you do in the account. So you have to look at those overlaps, and then know that also, in addition to this, is also remarketing the other channels like Facebook. <laughs> so this got real super deep really fast, and it's going to make sure that as we optimize, don't take this for face value. There's three things you're not taking into consideration when you take it at this screenshot here: is how did the previous clicks from the previous month compare to this month? How much campaign overlap in there? And what happened omnichannel? Unless you investigate and know and kind of keep up with that. You can't really make educated decisions you're just making reactions that are going to be half right and half wrong that's bad, the other part that I would like to talk about in here is and then do we have any questions on that so far, I know it's got like really crazy. There was some comments in the chat earlier regarding fractions, but I think that one is gone already. Okay, one good way to do this too if you wanted to is use first click if you wanted to use first click you can or last click if you're not running brand I don't know it's going to be up to that individual campaign and how you want to measure it attribution miles are for you they're not for Google it doesn't matter to Google it only matters how you want to count it versus how you want it to show up one quick way this is going to be an advanced technique but if you wanted to you can actually replicate a conversion action count it as the custom do campaign level conversion tracking and not account level and then change the attribution model. So here's a Ninja one. This purchase is running on data-driven. This data-driven, I want it on data-driven because I'm getting view-engaged conversions. First click does not count view-engaged conversions well. So know that you miss your view-engaged conversions because that's not a click-attributed conversion. Data-driven is not a click-attributed data driven conversion, or not a click-attributed conversion. It is a view and click. So if you change the first click, know that you will miss the view-engaged conversion, but here's something we can try if you would like to. Replicate this conversion action. You can't just like copy and paste it in here. You have to actually go through and set up a new conversion action, counting the same exact thing this is. In your measuring, measure it as a custom goal and then take that custom goal and count it as a different conversion attribution. So if this was the shopping app purchase and I say, you know, this is name a custom goal that's Cool. And then this custom goal here, you can actually, when I can't do it now, when you actually set it up, you're going to be counting that conversion action as a different attribution model. Let's say this is first click. And if you can count it as a secondary and then attach it to a campaign. So you can say, okay, this campaign brought me 100 first clicks and 25 last clicks. actually no, what, I did this already. Sorry, I already have an example of this. Here's something awesome. Not saying to do this, but this is a high level trick that makes us ultra ninjas and is very impressive. So inside of this account, I did forgive the nomenclature, I'm using other people's and changing it around. But you'll see stuff like this here. Data-driven test, 90-day counting every. And then this is website orders, a 15-day, only counting one. And then this one is a purchase, 90-day, also counting one. It's actually not that these have all been switched around, so just ignore what these are counting, but you can actually see the differences between the conversion actions. A 90-day versus a 15-day. This is actually the 90-day, I think. This is it, still the 15-day. I forget exactly where it was long story short, this is all messed up It's me just kind of modifying it to try this, but you can actually see the different conversions and how they're attributed for the different campaigns. So segmenting by conversion and by conversion action, I am only counting this one, one, but I can see, okay, there's data driven would count 4,600. New customers are 2,800, the purchase in one count for 90 days. Okay. So it's 463 and forty-three ninety-seven. there's 200 returning here because this was 90 day, 90 day. One count, every count. There's 300 more here. Perfect. So now I can see what the difference is between them. You can do this if you wanted to kind of see different attribution models for the same campaign. Kind of cool stuff. Not saying that we need to do that, but just know that's a thing. I think that's it so far. There's a lot of basics to cover, but the basics I think are the way that we run our campaigns. This is kind of like the basics. Conversion tracking, how the budgets work, how the daily ad spends changes actually equate to future changes, the restrictive bidding strategies and how they will kill your campaigns, the kind of overlapping between omnichannel and interchannel, the fractional conversions and how they mess up your goal tracking and what you should be tracking as a goal. You can actually use this model here to build a brand, but we'll talk about kind of brand building techniques next week. This, I think it's something that is very important and is going to give us a templatized structure to how we should be building out the e-commerce accounts. Thanks for listening to the Google Ads podcast. For more ways to grow your business with Google Ads, you can subscribe to the Solutions 8 YouTube channel. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. And if you'd like to work with the best Google Ads agency in the world, you can visit Solutions 8 at sol8.com. Head over to solate.com to get a free Google Ads action plan customized for your business. No strings attached. That's sol8.com. S-O-L, the number eight, dot com.